1: what's going on everybody it's another al craft beer cast am 970 the answer Hope everybody's doing great. I know it has been a uh, it has been bitterly cold here uh, in the Northeast. Uh, we finally got some measurable snow in New York City for the first time in 700 days. Can you imagine? And you could take that snow and you know what you could do with it. I, I'm not a not a fan of the winter. Not a fan of snow. Give me summer any day of the week. I will take uh, wearing a t-shirt and shorts over wearing uh, sweatshirts and bundling up and all kinds of nonsense. Uh, any day of the week. Listen, we've got a great show for you tonight. A little Green Day there. actually got a chance on Thursday uh, to see Green Day, a little private show that SiriusXM put on. I won tickets to uh, over at Irving Plaza. It was great. had a lot of fun. Um, we will talk more about that. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk more about that on next week's program. We've got a lot to get to, though, here. Uh, a lot of this first segment is going to be very Jersey-centric. We'll do some national beer news. Uh, coming up in the second segment. Uh, but uh, And then joining me in my third segment of the program, uh, in just about 20 minutes from now, Jan uh, Chuitasuk from Jersey Cyclone Brewing in Somerset, New Jersey, is going to join me. It's an interview that I did this past Wednesday, part of the official signing of the New Jersey Beer Bill. We're going to get to that in just a couple of moments. That's coming up in 20 minutes from now. The bill is a game changer for so many. But uh going to start off with, some sad news first. We'll get to the beer bill in just a moment. But uh, last week, on uh, just as uh, the the week was ending, I didn't get a chance to uh, mention this. But apparently, Forgotten Boardwalk is closing after 10 years in business. They will be shutting down uh, on February 29th. Um, and uh, just as part of the statement that they posted all over their social media. They said they have vigorously tried to sign a lease extension with our landlord to no avail as our next-door neighbor has leased out the space from underneath us. We are extremely disappointed and, quite frankly, appalled at the actions of both companies and their adamant refusals to negotiate with us. So, again, the tasting room will be open until February 29th. Uh, They will be releasing some barrel stuff, some stuff that they have in their uh, their stock. And um, they say, well... This chapter is coming to an end. We hope that Forgotten Boardwalk will continue, possibly in another form in the future. Uh, Jamie Quelley, the owner of Forgotten Boardwalk, and she has been a guest on this program, told NJ.com... Uh, the following day, she did this, they made this announcement late Friday and now on on that Saturday, last Saturday, uh, she said to NJ.com, We have no plans currently to continue brewing and distributing at another location, as we would still need a space to store product and a distribution license from the state in order to do so. Uh, Forgotten Boardwalk had taken over Flying Fish's original location, which, by the way, had filed for bankruptcy a couple weeks ago. When they opened in 2014, Crowley said Saturday that there was no connection between Flying Fish's bankruptcy and Forgotten Boardwalk's closure. I mean, that's obvious. There's nothing There's nothing to do with that. Um, I will say this. Uh, it's sad to see Forgotten Boardwalk go, um, but I'm going to leave this caveat out here. If you're not making good beer and you're not getting people into your place and you're not doing things to change and shift during the pandemic, which many had to, You're not going to survive very long. And I'll leave it at that. Um, Is there more to this story? I'm sure that there is. Do I know more about it? No. But it's just my speculation. Um, If you're making good beer, if you're making consistently good beer, you'd have sales. Sales translates into making more money and to reinvest in your business. You're on the cusp of a bill being passed by the New Jersey legislature that can help your business. Um, and as to the uh, to the whole thing about the lease extension and the landlord, that's a different set of circumstances. You don't own the building that you're in, and many of these breweries don't own the buildings that they're in. They're at the whim of a landlord. A landlord can do what they want uh, to some extent. If their lease is coming up and the landlord wanted to rent it to somebody else, that's he or she's prerogative. They don't have to negotiate with you. They can very simply say, look, well, I'm renting the space to somebody else. You're You're out. And if they knew about this, which... Uh, Let's face it, uh, Jamie did know that her lease was coming up. Otherwise, in November, she wouldn't have publicly posted on social media that she was looking for space. And it's not easy to just flip the switch and move somewhere else when you're talking about brewery equipment. So that's a lengthy process. And if you don't have the ability to do that... and a lot of brewers don't have the capital to simply up and leave their one location and move to another location. It becomes problematic. So there are a lot of layers here to this story, you know, but again, uh, blaming a landlord for not negotiating with you, the landlord doesn't have to negotiate with you, good faith or otherwise. The landlord decides they want to rent to somebody else. They can do that. There are always three, there's, there's three sides to every story. There's your side, my side. And then there's the truth. Will we get that? Who knows? I'll leave it at that. Hackensack Brewing is going to be uh, doing their uh, five-year anniversary. That's taking place Saturday, uh, February 3rd. Uh, They said they took a brand new brewery in their uh, Facebook post, seasoned it with a little sprinkle of global pandemic, and made a ton of friends in the process. Scratched that, grew our family in in the process. Uh, Five years later, we got a whole lot to celebrate, baby, and it's all because of you guys. We really can't thank you well enough, but we're going to try. So Saturday, February 3rd, uh, 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack. They're going to have new beers, new merchandise, pop-up vendors, a lot of cool stuff. Um, And as they say, they're the greatest brewery in the world behind Tombstones. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Zigmeister is doing their Stout Fest Episode 7, one day only. takes place Saturday, February 17th. They're tapping 50 different stouts throughout the day. Uh, I believe uh, Zigmeister opens at noon in Hackettstown, and they will be going all day. They will be tapping, again, 50 different stouts throughout the day. Fort Nonsense Brewing, they are doing their anniversary party uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, January 27th and 28th, from noon to 6 p.m., uh, the good folks from Ross, they have a couple of new beers out. Yes, I'm going to get to the New Jersey Beer Bill. Hang on. Uh, the, uh, Ross has a couple of new beers out. Uh, on January 26th, Black and White Cookie, it's an 8% pastry stout. Done an exclusive partnership with Dixie Lee Bakery uh, by David Burke using the delicious black and white cookies that they do so well. That's something i got to try. That sounds good. Uh, on February 2nd, uh, Icebreaker will be coming out. They're 12% winter warmer. On uh, February 9th, they'll be releasing To the Moon. That's their 8.4% double dry hopped New England IPA. And then on uh, Valentine's Day, Love Reaction. It's a 6.5% chocolate stout with strawberries and cream, perfect for Valentine's Day or any other day you want a beer you're absolutely going to love. And uh, kudos to Ross. they got a bunch of beers in the hopper that will be coming out and a lot of good stuff coming from them uh, down the pike. Uh, Finally, Governor Murphy. Overhauling the state's liquor license laws for the first time in nearly a century. Yes, he has signed the bill. The laws will now substantially boost the number of available liquor licenses statewide. I don't know about substantially. Uh, It's about uh, 1,500 licenses. Uh, It's about 15% in the state. That's a good number. It's a start, and it's about as far as it's going to go. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, It eases a wide range of restrictions that have stifled breweries and distilleries. Murphy says this marks the first substantive overhaul of New Jersey's antiquated liquor license laws since the aftermath of Prohibition. The governor added this will help breweries and distilleries flourish, while at the same time create new opportunities for smaller and more diverse mom-and-pop establishments in the state. It eliminates... The annual limits on events held by craft alcohol manufacturers, it allows them to partner with restaurants and food trucks for food service. They cannot profit from such things. They could have a food truck on site. They cannot make money off of uh, the food truck, whether it's through through food sales or renting the space out. A regulation, as far as I am aware, regulations issued by the Division of Alcohol Beverage Control in 2019 cap brewers to 25 on-premise events per year. Those rules have been enacted for months as they were negotiating those changes Uh, Together with our partners in the legislature, we are laying new ground rules to help our breweries and distilleries flourish, at the same time creating new opportunities for smaller and more diverse mom-and-pop establishments to set up shop or expand in New Jersey and help transform our downtowns. That from Murphy. The new law leaves the state's liquor license limit one license per 3,000 residents in a given municipality unchanged, though it will allow towns to reclaim disused liquor licenses and licenses not linked to an establishment. Under the new law, uh, towns can move to reclaim liquor licenses that have, it, have been inactive for up to three years. Uh, again, it could bring about 1,300 inactive licenses back into circulation. It would increase the state's stock uh, to right around 15%. Senator Paul uh, Sarlo of Bergen County says this is a smart and responsible way of increasing the number of active liquor licenses. At the same time, we retain the value for existing businesses that are so important to the economies of local communities um, the governor had proposed a number of different things. Most of them were shot down by the legislature. Um, and again, New Jerseyans should not expect more liquor license reform anytime soon, Sarlo said uh, to, uh, to the press after the Senate approved the bill last week. I think this will take this off the table for a while. Uh, there will be a new class of liquor license for use in shopping mall food courts, which is uh, a, a bid to increase foot traffic. Also, uh, municipalities can solicit bids for additional liquor licenses from other towns and cities, but only if they share a border. I mentioned this already. So, if Newark wanted uh, another license and they called up, um, you know, their neighboring town, they could do that. If Clark wanted to get a liquor license from Cranford, they could do that. They could not go into, say, uh, you know, Mountainside and ask for a license. Wouldn't happen. Uh, So this is a good thing. It's a game changer for the breweries. It helps them in a lot of different ways. They can offer discounts now. They can offer snacks. They can offer water, uh, sodas, coffee, those things, which is always a good thing. You want to have options uh, at your establishment. It is a big win and a game changer for the breweries. Congratulations to everyone uh, who has helped to move this forward. It's a great new day in the Garden State can it's it's just awesome. When we come back after a short break, more news and notes from around the beer world. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. <laughs> Welcome back to the Alvi Tullo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, a little Green Day and uh, redundant from their international super hits album. Got a chance to see Green Day, private show, Sirius XM Radio. Thank you very much, Sirius XM. Uh, Got a chance to see them on Thursday night, as I mentioned, at the beginning of the show. It was pretty cool. They got a new album out. And uh, Green Day, a band I have not ever seen before. So... um, was one of those cool things to say, hey, uh, free tickets, sure, why not, I'll go. And I'm always up for a good show, so, uh, you (laughs) know, what can you do? Uh, Green Day, good, good stuff, love it. They will be touring uh, this summer, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the program. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, Jan Chuitesuk from uh, Jersey Cyclone Brewing in Somerset, New Jersey, is going to join me. An interview I did this past Wednesday as part of the official signing of the New Jersey Beer Bill, uh, the New Jersey Craft Beer Club, had a little event over at Jersey Cyclone. I was invited along with other members of the press and, and of course, the general public. We got a chance to talk with Jan. We'll uh, air that interview in just about, I'd say about eight, eight or so minutes uh, from now. Uh, get his reaction on uh, the signing of the bill, what that does for his business moving forward. Um, as I'm sure this comes as a big relief. And in this segment, we're going to talk about Alaska brewers and what they have to go through. In terms of their state. You think New Jersey laws are bad. Well, check out this piece in a couple of minutes. Um, Quintessential and beloved Colorado brands, a Great Divide Brewing Company, and Vibe Concepts. Once again, teaming up to open a second location of Great Divide Brewing and Roadhouse. Vibe Concepts, parent company of local favorites, T Street Roadhouse, Roadhouse, Boulder Depot, Spanky's Roadhouse, and Reaver's Bar and Grill will open Great Divide Brewery and Roadhouse Lone Tree next month. 9878 Schwab Way, number 240, Lone Tree, Colorado. Uh, The two hospitality companies opened the inaugural Great Divide Brewery and Roadhouse in Castle Rock, Colorado, back in May of 2020, as the first licensing location of Great Divide outside the Denver International Airport. Uh, This is going to be located on the ground floor of the Charles Schwab Conference Center, part of their global headquarters. It's an 8,200 square foot space. Uh, They have a massive mahogany bar. Underneath a copper ceiling featuring a heated four-season patio uh, connected to the interior by two large garage doors. Space also has a private dining area that can be closed off for events for up to 75 people. They plan to open a third uh, brewery roadhouse in 2025 in downtown Lakewood, Colorado. Uh, Colorado's Belmar shopping district, not Belmar, New Jersey, folks. Um, they'll be featuring year round beers such as Hazy IPA, Heyday, Titan, and Yeti Imperial Stout. They'll be also rotating seasonal favorites as well. They'll have 25 wines per bottle, uh, by the bottle, excuse me, not per bottle, but by the bottle, uh, alongside a dozen cocktails. Like the raspberry basil paloma, a whiskey basil smash and espresso martini, and a cucumber mint mule. Uh, hours for the time being Monday to Friday, 11 a.m. to midnight, Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to midnight. That'll be taking place at opening uh, next month. Von Ebert Brewing announced uh, about a week or so ago that they are moving into the former Ecliptic Brewing facility on North Cook Street in Portland, which allows the brewery to expand production and distribution from 4,000 barrels per year to as much as 20,000 barrels. Um, Sam Pecoraro, brewmaster of Von Ebert Brewing, says, Von Ebert, we live full bore, which is why we're investing in Portland and expanding our production and distribution so we can sell more of our award-winning beer by taking over the North Cook Street space. Von Ebert will be able to continue the legacy of brewing Oregon's world-class craft beer. John Harris, the former owner and uh, brewmaster of Ecliptic Brewing, says, uh, I am very happy to have found Von Ebert Brewing to move into the brewery I created, and the, the building will continue to make beer. Von Ebert Brewing makes awesome beers, and I look forward to working with them to continue to produce small batch ecliptic beers on the same equipment. Von Ebert plans to have the North Cook Street Taproom reopened to the public this spring. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about the Oregon Brewers uh, right now uh, facing major Major challenges. Between inflation on the cost of ingredients, supply chain issues, employee shortages, and the pandemic, Oregon has lost more than 20 local breweries in just the past few months. Harris cited such reasons in his decision to sell. By making this purchase, Von Ebert hoping to weather these hard times for craft beer by expanding into more 12-ounce canning and off-premise sales, including its gold medal-winning Pilsner named Pills. Uh, volatile Substance IPA and likely more to come with this move. Von Ebert Brewing plans to grow its distribution throughout Oregon and Washington and eventually Idaho, as well as parts of California. Oregon has been hard hit. They never really recovered during the pandemic. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these breweries going out of business in that area. Um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, it's, it's sad. Um, but they had a lot of restrictions that they were not able to pivot on. Again, I think those that survived in the pandemic did a couple of things. One, they were able to pivot to get their beers in takeout form to customers, right? Then if they had brew pubs where they had restaurants, they were able to shift to a more of a to-go business as opposed to dining. But conversely, if you weren't able to shift that quickly, you were pretty you know, you were left in the dust. And especially in Oregon where Businesses were shuttered. You know, it wasn't even like, all right, you know, we're open for limited whatever. They just closed down. Or some decided, all right, we'll weather the storm, we'll see what happens, and then, you know, reopen, and they never really uh, recovered. Uh, Our good friends from Stone Brewing, uh, Stone Delicious Hazy IPA, it is out now. It is a beer that has reduced gluten in it. Sabro Eldorado Eldorado and Azaka Hops providing intense creamsicle, peach, and pineapple flavors. Uh, This one is extra juicy, extra hazy, and extra delicious. Stone Delicious Hazy IPA, now available at Stone locations and is shipping nationwide as we speak. You can get on that uh, if you are a Stone Brewing fan. Hopefully I'll get a couple of cans of that and uh, get a chance to try that um, when it's out. Finally, uh, Alaska Brewers, listen to this. So, Good news is a new bill is pending in the Alaska legislature, which will prohibit big beer from entering into exclusive deals with bars and stores in Alaska. The passage will level the playing field for small craft breweries, and it's long overdue. But Alaska craft brewers have long been plagued by sketchy big beer practices, which have severely limited their growth in distribution. But it changes in 2024 if, the Senate, if Senate Bill 9 is approved. Um, the, you know, listen, this has been happening for a long time. Brewery comes into a bar says, "Hey, we're going to um, we're going to give you a tap system, but um, you're not you're not going to have to pay for it, but you've got to you got to have our beer on tap." Now, that's it, th- maybe it exactly goes that way, maybe it's not, but it essentially is in that sort of, you know, hey, we give you this, you do this, right? So now what happens? Now you carry Bud, Coors Light, whatever it is. The small guy gets pushed out. And you don't care because you're the bar. You're getting a brand new tap system. But now you've got to maintain it, you know, all all these other things. Well, anyway, in Alaska, big beer companies would assume the expense of keeping those tap lines clean, which professionals suggest ideally should take place every two weeks, uh, you know, or if not every week. The pending bill also bans big beer companies from offering free prizes and incentives to retailers in return for product placement that limit access to smaller breweries. Now, we call that in the radio business payola, which is a good thing right? So it's about prime product exposure, but now this bill would ban that. With its passage, bars could no longer receive free draft beer systems from manufacturers and wholesalers, but they could still get them cleaned for free. Additionally, retailers would be restricted to accepting free prizes up to $400 for contests and prohibited from signing exclusive agreements uh, for a shelf space or presentation of products. Lee Lee Elias, uh, or Ellis? Lee Ellis, Head of the Brewers Guild of Alaska and owner of Midnight Sun Brewing told the Anchorage Daily News, some of those practices are very common in Alaska. Brewers can find it difficult to get their beers featured on barroom taps, he said, or in liquor stores. Everybody has the same problem. Jersey, New York, doesn't matter. Uh, Ellis said, I think it's actually been one of the biggest inhibitors to go- growth of our industry in the state. Senate Bill 9 comes with new regulations. That will bring Alaska into compliance with federal laws and level things out for the state's craft brewers. Ironically, those federal laws are enforced by the state, but with this bill's passage, they will be. Uh, That sentence doesn't make sense. They will be. They are. I'm not sure. The new proposed regulations are open for public comment until the afternoon of January 26th on Alaska's Public Notices webpage. Alaska Alcohol Beverage Control Board will then meet and evaluate the regulations uh, the following week. So basically, the bill is going to ban big, business, big beer from coming in and saying, we'll give you a draft system, we'll give you this, you put our product here. That's a good move. Because, listen, there's a lot of good beer that comes out of Alaska. It is incredibly expensive. I know Anchorage Brewing you can get in Pennsylvania, but it's $30, $35 for a four-pack. It's tough for me to pay that. Would it be the same with this? Probably. that. But that's not the point here. The point here is you've got to have uh, better product placement of your beer. And you can't do that if big beer is going to come in and keep you know stifling uh, things. So if this bill passes... That would change the uh, l- the the playing field in Alaska. Let's hope that happens uh, for the Alaska Brewers because it's important. When we come back after a short break, Jan Suk from Jersey Cyclone Brewing in Somerset, New Jersey, is going to join me from his brewery. This is the Algotulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy The Answer. Welcome back to the Algotulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy The Answer. We're coming to you from Jersey. Cyclone Brewing Company in beautiful Somerset, New Jersey. Uh, we're having a little uh, shindig here tonight uh, to um, celebrate the fact that the New Jersey Beer Bill finally passed and was finally signed uh, by Governor Phil Murphy earlier uh, this week, which is a great thing uh, for everybody. And really, to be honest, as I've spoken throughout, you know, this show and, and you know, in the weeks prior, um, it's a game changer. And so, joining me now is the owner of uh, Jersey Cyclone Brewing, uh, Jan Sook. Uh, Jan, thanks so much for having me here uh, tonight, and uh, how are you?
2: Doing very good. Thank you for having me on.
1: So, uh, the New Jersey Beer Bill does a number of things. We've talked about a a lot of it, but one of the things that really hasn't been discussed much is that you can make now up to 300,000 barrels of beer and allow license holders to directly sell and distribute 50% of the beer that is produced on premise in each year to retailers rather than rely on wholesalers. How does that help your bottom line, if at all? Because you know, and I don't know how you. I know you do uh, tap room sales, and I know that you have distro out in the market. But how does that help you, or does it does it not change anything at all?
2: So, for our business model, we haven't really evaluated how that's going to affect us moving forward. The big things uh, that the way we structured our business so far is on premise sales, obviously through the tap room, and um, some wholesale distribution. But
1: uh, do you self-distribute or are you with a distributor?
2: We are self-distributed. Okay. So then this would,
1: this would in in effect, it would help you because you would be able to deal directly with a retailer. But you're already directly dealing with a retailer at this point. So, all right. So then maybe that it doesn't affect you that much. So maybe that's something that's not going to – maybe for a smaller place, uh, it would affect that if they're not doing distro. Now, no more tours, collaborating with food trucks. You can offer snacks and beverages that are non-alcoholic, which is awesome. Out of all of those – which is the one that you are looking to maximize the most?
2: Oh, without a doubt, it's events and food trucks. That is something our uh, customers have been asking for nonstop. Being able to now have a schedule for food trucks that we can post up, being able to, to post out you know months in advance for music, um, other events like Charcuterie Night, which we're having at the brewery today, uh, before the live music, um, as well as not forcing every customer to go through a tour in whichever form it was required, whether it was a tour on a piece of paper, whether it was a tour on a wall, or a physical tour. Right.
1: Uh, Jan juidasuk is joining me here at Jersey Cyclone Brewing on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on, uh, on AM 970. The answer, and I agree with you, Jan, the, to me the game changer is the ability for you to host unlimited events. Obviously you're going to push that to the max. Now, in your space, though, does that mean more private events where you would be uh, closing things off, Or would it be more of a sort of public, you know, maybe you can kind of partition off something for somebody to have a private event and then uh, still have the brewery open for regular sales?
2: So it's going to be a mix for us. Uh, We've hosted everything from weddings here to baptisms um, as private events as well as live music, trivia nights, bingo nights, um, charcuterie Uh, you name it. So for us, what we would do is look at our schedule, lay out the schedule for normal events for the public, because that's who we serve at the end of the day. That's who enjoys our beers. That's who um, keeps coming back and and pushes the business forward. Uh, But also having a mix of the private events, and hopefully we can schedule those in some of the off hours or some of the days that... Either were you know closed or um, slower days to help continue to grow our business on that side to help people have that once in a lifetime moment or once in once a year moment.
1: Has the ABC now? I know the ABC communicated with you guys to say that um, the rules that they have uh, previously uh, constituted they vacated them now because of the law that has been signed, which supersedes all those things. Has the ABC communicated with you guys at all yet? How they plan to enforce what they can enforce? Or is it just, hey, whatever the other rules that we have in place, these are the ones that we're going to enforce, and you know, and that's that.
2: They have not. The only thing that we know is that the special ruling is repealed at this point.
1: Okay. Um, let's say that the legislature decides to reopen liquor license reform. Uh, Senator Sarlo has said this is as far as we're going right now. We have no intention of opening things up in any way, shape, or form. But let's just say in the future, down the road, a couple of years. They decide that they're going to um, expand liquor license reform, which, again, doesn't really have much to do with the breweries, but obviously it's going to be a component of whatever they decide to do. Is there anything that you would like to change or add to the current rules that are, or current law that's, that's on the books right now that you would like to see? Is there one thing that, you know, your golden ticket, whatever whatever the, the, the golden law or whatever the case may be?
2: So I think looking at other states and seeing what they do, it's the ability to serve somebody else's beer and or wine in-house. I think, you know, limiting it to New Jersey produced only uh, like other states do. So if we're down a tap line and we're waiting for something to finish out fermenting, hey, we could reach out to a local brewery. We could reach out to Ashton. We could reach out to Flounder or, you know, Twin Elephant or anyone else in the area. Reach out, buy a keg. Put it on draft, it fills that line, it gets them exposure. Um, in our area, it helps us grow and continue sales.
1: That's interesting. So, going forward, if you decide, let's say you and Ashton do a collab, you brew it, and let's say you brew it at Ashton. In the old rules, it can only be served at Ashton. The current rules, it's the same way now, correct?
2: To, to the best of my knowledge, yeah, it's the same way.
1: Now that's interesting now that's something I and I wonder if that's something that maybe the ABC can sort of rule on without having to go through the legislature and enact a law to say, look I mean it, it's essentially beer you're producing it at a facility. What difference does it make if it's coming from X facility or Y facility as long as it's between the two of you I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying that you know Ashley makes the beer it's a collab with the two of you, but then it's going to say somebody like bolero. You're, you're just talking between the two breweries that made it, it would make sense to, to say that, okay, that's okay, you can do that now. I mean, that would be a game changer for you.
2: Well, absolutely, because then you let the customers kind of decide. You brew let's say you bring in a keg of the other beer that was brewed at their facility, and then maybe you did a slightly different collab. You could serve them side by side right. without having to really plan for that event at a bar or restaurant. Or on a flip side, trying to plan something where you're co-advertising, where go here and then go here and try it.
1: Jan Chimitisuk from uh, Jersey Cyclone Brewing joins me here at uh, Jersey Cyclone. I'm enjoying this delicious porter here that you have uh, on tap right now. It is fantastic. Um, You 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 guys now have the ability to serve non-alcoholic beverages. Um, I know that you have a soda on tap. Are you going to continue to make your own non-alcoholic stuff, or will you bring in stuff from the outside?
2: As of now, the plan is to still make um, our root beer on in-house as well as a couple others. Uh, we may bring in um, some products that are already made. That's something we're looking at. But our customers have grown to love the fact that, you know, we're a craft here. So uh, at the end of the day, what's up there is stuff we make.
1: I have to tell you, it must be great that you can actually bring a coffee pot in here now <laughs> and make your own coffee. And then you don't have to go out and get coffee, right?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Um,
1: in terms of events, um, I know they limited the. Uh, it's unlimited events here at the brewery, but it, they limited it to twenty-five uh, off-site events. Now, I, I was, I was up to thinking last week. I was like, you know, maybe twenty-five is too little off-site. But then, uh, after talking to a few people, apparently the industry standard is twenty-five events for others like bars and other places and things like that. Would you like to see that number increase, or is twenty-five right around the wheelhouse that you'd like to do off-site?
2: Well, at the end of the day, you know, being a business owner, we like less restrictions and say unlimited or more. I think 25 events for now is a good number for a lot of us to grow into with the public. There's a lot of opportunities for us to interact with customers and interact with new areas, whether it be at a farm or somewhere else within the area. And
1: um, trying to think of a last question here that, that, uh, you know, I know you guys have uh, the Hangover Pretzel Company in here. You're going to bring some other things in um do you think that offering those different types of non-alcoholic options and snack options will be a benefit to some people that come here that maybe not necessarily would want to drink beer hey you do have a root beer on tap or uh you have soda for purchase or you have uh, coffee because i'm not in the mood uh to drink a beer tonight is that is that the the goal to get more people to come in here in, in that way to discover your brewery but also to discover the fact that you have other things besides beer
2: Oh, well, absolutely. We just had uh, you know, we're in dry January as much as uh, we're sad about that in the industry. Uh, but we had trivia night the other week, and one of the most popular things was a non-alcoholic group beer uh, that we the, that we have on tap. Um, a lot of people wanted to stick to the resolutions, but they still wanted to come out and support the brewery, you know, go through the experience. A lot of them did pick up beers to go to take home that when the resolution is over, they're going to enjoy. But while they're here, we're, we're helping them, you know, create that experience, something to remember us by. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Jan Chiwetisuk joining me here uh, from Jersey Cyclone Brewing. We're here at the brewery uh, on the Tulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, now here's my final question. Now the fact that um, you're going to have the ability to serve, uh, you know, snacks and non-alcoholic beverages and things of that nature, will there be an opportunity? I asked this of uh, Colin McDonough last week uh, at Oak Flower. You have your beer tenders behind the bar serving the beer. People have to go up and get their beer. Is there an opportunity now to have table service to maybe hire an extra person uh, if, you know, funds are coming in and things of that nature where you have somebody walking around to the tables and, you know, hey, can I get you a beer? What would you like? Serving you, is that an option uh, at some point?
2: I think as the breweries, all of us get busier, um, we're ha- we'll have more ability to increase the experience we give customers because we're an experience-driven industry. And at the end of the day, for us here, it, you know, one of the you know, driving factors or one of the big things we want to do is leave everybody with an experience or a memory of, A, what we are working for, what we are making, but also the experience that they received here. Right.
1: John, thanks so much for having me here tonight. And thanks so much for putting this on, uh, this event with uh, New Jersey Craft Beer Club, um, celebrating the fact that this bill was passed. It was signed finally by the governor. It's a lo- It was a long, hard-fought battle uh, from you guys, the legislature. There was a lot of misunderstanding of, of certain things and how things uh, went along. But at the end of the day, you guys got things done. And to me, and I know you agree with me on this, it is an absolute game-changer uh, for the brewery industry. So thanks again, and uh, congratulations. This is just absolutely awesome.
2: Thank you, and thanks for stopping by, and looking forward to an awesome night tonight. Absolutely.
1: All okay. right, when we come back, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Al Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
0: that you cannot deny you won't be laughing when I'm
1: you so, i you please get all right final Just segment, the segment of the Algatulo craft beer cast on AM 970 the answer a little new green day one Eye bastard that's from their new album saviors that dropped on a friday got a chance to see green day uh, at Irving Plaza a little private show uh courtesy of Sirius XM uh, on Thursday night, and that was a lot of fun. A very cool uh, very cool little intimate event. Always like those types of events. So thank you uh, to SiriusXM for those tickets. That was pretty cool. Let us dive into Suds and Duds, shall we? Uh, because uh, that is an important thing that we do every week on this show, where I tell you about all the various beers that I have drank over the last week or so. In this case, it's uh, going back into December. And I let you know whether or not it is a Suds or a Hey, Duds, starting off with Dark As Your Soul by Muckraker Beermaker. Now, this is a can that I purchased over at Paragon Tap and Table. I should have bought another one, and if there is one still there, I'm definitely going to buy this one again. Oh, my goodness. So I was a part of the Lager Room Guys podcast uh, at the end of the year uh, where every beer that we drank, we drank three beers during the show. I almost drank a fourth. Um, every beer during the show that we were drinking had to be or higher So you can imagine By the end of the night It was a little dicey for all of us And this one, no exception Roasty, strong, finishes Smooth, fantastic If you have not had Muckraker Beer Maker, you're doing yourself a disservice Um, They make some Excellent, excellent beers And man, that was a good one Then I pulled out of the back of the fridge A Java Cask from Victory Brewing. A six-year-old bottle of this had been sitting in my fridge for six years. And for sitting in the the back of the fridge for six years, held up surprisingly well. The coffee was there, um, a little bit muted, uh, along with the bourbon. Uh, Not a big punch of flavors, uh, but all of them are present. And when I had this originally, it really hit you um, hard. Uh, So I was pleasantly surprised to see that for a beer at 14%, that it still had some, some kick left to it, but nothing, you know, too crazy. And again, e- even though I wasn't working when I was doing this, um, I didn't have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I sipped it slow because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to get myself overwhelmed. And then by the time I got to this one, I was pretty much overwhelmed. Uh, the Oak Aged Vanilla Worldwide Stout by Dogfish Head. This was another beer that had been sitting in my fridge for at least six years. The vanilla and bourbon held up very nicely and very boozy like the the difference between this one and the victory one the victory one didn't f- feel or taste um boozy this one did after 6 years uh probably longer It might have been 7 or 8 that had been sitting in my fridge so um this was really good and like i said surprising at how well it held up from a boozy standpoint as opposed to those flavors sort of being muted a little bit and maybe not as um, uh, boozy. So there you go. Um, during that week that I was off, I went over to Twin Elephant, hung out with uh, Mike and Craig from uh, Paragon Tap and Table. Um, we were supposed to get together. We were supposed to go out to Long Island to visit uh, Chef Eric, um, who is doing some great stuff um, at uh, Main 317, or 317 Main, I think it is. And um, we didn't get a chance to go. His uncle had passed away the week that we were going to go, and, you know, there was a wake and funeral and the whole thing, so we couldn't make it. So we ended up getting together uh, over at Twin Elephant. We finished up at the Sterling Hotel, but we started at Twin Elephant and uh, had the Goro awaits while I was waiting. Super crushable p- uh, Pilsner. Crisp, great hop, uh, love it. Uh, sort of that, uh, that Japanese-style Pilsner, fanta- that rice-style Pilsner, fantastic. Loved it. Uh, if it's on tap somewhere, get it because you will not be disappointed if you want something that is light, uh, clean, and crisp. Uh, without a doubt, you want that one. Uh, well, I'm I'm sort of going out of order here because of the way I checked in on Untapped. But um, at the Sterling Hotel, I had some sub, uh, Sublimated Dreams by Burlington Beer Company, solid New England IPA, uh, good stuff. They have a good tap list. Uh, they do some bigger national brands there, but they do get the local stuff in. And the food at the Sterling Hotel has improved tenfold from you know even eight years ago. Uh, I had a, a barbecue plate they had on special. I had a piece of pastrami that was smoked. It was unbelievable. One of the best pieces of pastrami I ever had. I mean, just full of flavor, uh, fantastic, tremendous bark on it, um, that smoke ring, fantastic, really good stuff. Um, we also, during this trip, we were over at Oakflower Brewing, um, had uh, the uh, first cup, uh, which drank like a cold brew, out. Standing. Colin is making great beer. And if you haven't been to Oak Flower, you should do yourself a favor and head over to Millington, New Jersey and uh, check it out. Um you can get there on the train if you want, but I suggest you know, Ubering or taking a lift over uh and sit back and relax and enjoy yourself there because it is fantastic. The Lamy is really good, a banging Hell lager from Oak Flower. And then I had I finished up with the station, which was I think this is the I think that's the Hayes Boy one. I'm pretty sure that's the Haze Boy one. That one was a really good one as well. Um, really, really good. Everything that Oakflower does is just fantastic. I finished up at um, the uh, Sterling with a celebration by Sierra Nevada. I mean, that's just a. It's a seasonal beer. It comes out around you know the uh, Christmas time. You know, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas time. That's a beer that if you see it, you have to get it. Sierra Nevada is the OG when it comes to pale ales. Um, and celebration, uh, a solid seasonal. Uh, You can't go wrong with that one. The other beer that I had at Twin Elephant uh, was the Snake Trunk, which was a banging collaboration uh, between uh, Twin Elephant and I believe this was District 96. Um, And as I said on Untapped, hits all the right feels. Just a really, really solid beer, uh, delicious, and um, a great collab. I mean, Twin and District 96, you can't go wrong. It's, It's fantastic. And then finally... Um, finished up with, I brought brought home a couple of cans of this, uh, Rugged Snuggle by Twin Elephant, a very nicely done porter. It's thin, but in a good way, you know, it's not, um, sometimes porters tend to, um, when people are making porters, they tend to go too heavy into the stout territory, uh, which is not what you want. Um, a little bit thinner is better, uh, and it's got to have that flavor in there. And that's what this has. And it's very tough to find somebody that um, can do a porter uh, very well. Uh, I had one at um, Jersey Cyclone the other night that was great. We'll review that in a couple of weeks. Twin does a great job with their porter. Wet Ticket does a great job with their porter. When Tim makes his porter, it's a fantastic beer. Because his porter and his stout, you know the difference between the two of them. And that's what you want, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, so a lot of good beers over the holiday that I had. We'll get to more of them uh, on next week's program. Uh, first, before we wrap things up, we've got a couple minutes here. I want to thank everybody involved in the show, including my guest, Jan uh, Chuitasuk, uh, from Jersey Cyclone Brewing. Thanks for giving me a couple of minutes um, celebrating all about um, New Jersey craft beer. Um, this week is the culmination of a number of years of mm-hmm. brewers fighting for you know, what they believe was fair rules. And what the ABC did and what Governor Murphy did, um, you know, first off, for enacting these these arbitrary, ridiculous rules a number of years ago was was so stupid, and then you have a you throw in a pandemic on top of it, um and it was just a mess. But I have to tell you this, I'm glad, I'm happy that the governor signed the bill. I'm happy that cooler heads prevailed and they didn't let this die on the vine. Um I think the governor got a little bit of what he wanted. He didn't get everything, and he wasn't going to get everything. And the legislature basically told him that and essentially said, hey, listen, this is it. We're not going any further with this. Do I think that there are going to be more things that are going to happen in terms of liquor license reform? I don't think anything is going to happen during Murphy's term. I think he's going to try and push it. I think they're going to tell him to go pound salt. That's, that's just my take on that. Um, at some point. Do you have to, and uh, I'm going to quote Jan here on this one from Jersey Cyclone, do you have to rip the Band-Aid off on liquor license uh, reform? Yes. I think you have to do that at some point. You're, not everybody is going to be happy with the, the changes, but it ha- and it has to be done. Will it be done now? No. Will it be done down the road? Yes. Sooner rather than later? I would hope so. But I think it's going to take another governor to do that. I don't think it's going to happen here. And um I will say this. The fact that the governor held up this bill for months, where breweries went out of business, and there were a number of them that went out of business because they were not sure what was going to happen. And the fact that he promised, he promised to sign the bill if it passed, his guys went to the breweries and said, Hey, if you do this, this and this and pass a law, I'll take care of it and I'll sign it, and then reneged on it until He got a little bit more of what he wanted. Not cool. That's why the breweries are angry with the governor. And I don't blame them for being angry. I don't blame them for being upset. And the fight is not over, folks. Yes, they've won. The brewers have gotten a a lot of the things that they wanted and needed. And I think it's, it's a great first step. But it's a first step. There are other things that need to happen. That's down the road. This is a great first step. It's a new day in New Jersey when it comes to making beer and selling beer. And I hope that more people now will come out and say, hey, I'm going to make beer. I'm going to open my own brewery in New Jersey. We can certainly use it. Of course, let me thank, uh, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back on the Joe Piscopo Show Monday at 6 a.m. This has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody